Citorosal Actors podcast, Let's Talk About ESG. I'm Margarita Kirakosian, news editor, and joining me today is Sasha Sedan, Director of Investment Stewardship at Elgin. Sasha, thank you for joining us today. Pleasure. Good afternoon. One of the big problems with engagement, for example, is things like lobbying and especially lobbying against climate-friendly initiatives. So I know that some firms started uh, didn't kind of like divesting from Exxon for that specific reason, for example. So how are you engaging with this specific aspect? Okay, so lobbying is really an important topic. And it's not just in climate change. You've seen opioid scandal, you've seen in tobacco, you've seen in many other industries and mining as well as this. So, I mean, look, look at my job. I, I, I go meet companies and they say, I support something. I support, and I say, well, I support people who do marathons. It doesn't mean I'm going to do one. What have you done? And so we use um, information that we gather from very good sources that tell me which companies are actually supporting things that are against what they're saying in their annual report. That is a very powerful tool to go back to a company and say, you may say that, but you are spending money on helping promote something that is against the interests of your own investors and what you've said. And so good examples of Finn, we have now um, pushed BP, but BHP Billiton, let's use a different example, global mining company. They have now come out with a big report. They've mapped all of their trade associations and the lobbying activities. They found three of them that, that were uh, linked with their own purpose and the things that they've been saying, they've dropped them and they're influencing the trade associations they're in in a much more consistent way. So when you can get a big, the biggest mining company in the world to move, you really can show that you are changing things. And it did need us to vote a few years ago at an AGM against, but we worked very closely with them to try and change it because we want BHP Billiton to be the best mining company and it's a very important investment for all investors. Algem mm-hmm. just recently joined the initiative uh, against modern slavery. I think it's modern slavery protocol. So can you walk me through that a little bit? Why it mattered for the company and what is Algem trying to achieve through that engagement specifically? Well, um, for a start, we've been looking at this for a long time and we've been involved in it, but the actual new Modern Slavery Act came out and we wanted to support it. Mm -hmm. And secondly, when we meet companies in certain sectors which are more uh, at risk, we're asking very good questions in food, manufacturing, retail, tobacco, about how they are sure that their suppliers down the chain and how they can audit the fact that they are making sure that they are not falling foul of modern slavery practices so that's the kind of questions we ask we obviously use some others and we collaborate with many other investors to try and get that information and it's really saying to the board we are saying how do you know that you are feeling that you are comfortable that down your chain or supply chain or stakeholders that you are into this and how can you demonstrate it back to us some companies and i'll give you an example M&S now, they can look at each factory. They know exactly where everything is manufactured. Uh, one of my colleagues went to Bangladesh once and they've seen some of the things going on and they can absolutely tell where things are and where they go back to. And so they can know whether that standard at that factory is up to the standards that they need to in the country where they operate. And they feel comfortable as a board that they are doing that in the right way. Other companies, and you've seen what's happened with Boohoo, have fallen foul of these things and therefore 
are not at those standards and we will take appropriate action where and if we see fit. Um, and an example would be food. You want to know food quality. That's another good example. You want to know, go back to that. And I think, you know, we've seen that with the meat scandals in the past and some of the other things. You want to be able to trace back and you see fantastic companies like Tesco now who can trace everything back to the source, which is very important in that sense. Very fast fashion is involved, I think, uh, as much of kind of like modern slavery allegations, you have a problem with how much is being produced. So it's kind of like a negative effect in the long run because of the quantities of uh, clothes that has been manufactured. So you think, do you think that this is something that will become bigger as an engagement point in terms of just like the energy and resources that go into that? I, I, yes and no. I think if you look at some of the good companies from um, and Primark has done much better on the, the recycling and where it sources its cotton, but it still makes reasonably cheap clothes. It can do a good job. You see where M&S has done some fantastic jobs with Oxfam and getting recycling back into the stores. It can be used as a way of being a better retailer by trying to understand these trends and make them more accessible. So absolutely. And the ones that aren't doing that are going to be found out in lots of different ways. But every company as a minimum, they should be looking after their staff. They should know where their supply chain is and they should be trying to make it as sustainable as possible. Because normally, back to the point, if you make it more sustainable, it's normally better for your financial interests and for your brand, mm -hmm. which is the whole point of everything that we're discussing on here. This topic, we want the companies to do well because our we have pensioners, we have clients invested in the company and we want them to do well. It's not just about thinking of topics to talk about to try and see whether this is good or bad. Mm -hmm. I think a big talking point from the ESG perspective uh, will be societal element of it because as is now front and center and especially when it comes to uh, jobs because I think obviously we're in a unique situation and some companies will have to have, face tough decisions and cut the workforce. So from the ESG perspective, the job cuts, how much, like how many are too many basically and when will you be alarmed about the investment because M&S for example I think announced 3,000 job cuts not that long time ago. Oh I think um, we've got to be careful here. Mm -hmm. First thing is it's really difficult out there. The world is not easy. It's not easy mm -hmm. running, running your job. It's not running our job. And it's certainly not running a company. And you've just mentioned retail. Retail has got so many structural things online, all the different debates. So I don't think it's our job to tell companies how to run that business. And as we've seen with, um, let's use an example to try and make this back to life, Thomas Cook. Mm -hmm. Thomas Cook was struggling and ended up going bust before COVID. So you can imagine that wouldn't have survived. So if these things change, different animals come into there, different online beasts come there. So I think we have to make sure what they have to do is make sure that they're doing this in the right way. And I'd prefer company. And of course, M&S um, invested in Ocado recently and Ocado is making money and is increasing jobs. So it's, you know, net net, it's not always one way. So it shouldn't be our job as investors to tell companies that they can't make decisions what we want them to do is to make decisions that are based on facts that are rational. And if they can make sure that they're not been over investing in the wrong areas or under investing for years and taking bonuses as an example. So we spend a lot of time on how executive pay is linked to the performance of a company or how their staff are based. But I don't think we should be getting into 
um, telling companies uh, and becoming into politics. I think that's a very dangerous um, uh, balancing act that we have to talk about. Of course, if companies have to make tough decisions, and a lot of companies are having to make tough decisions in these circumstances, I want to know that the board is also taking tough decisions for themselves. Hmm. So you can imagine when we're looking at companies that are furloughed, that have had to take taxpayer money, who are having to cut jobs, then we would expect the, the executives on those boards not to be taking maximum bonuses at the moment. That would not seem to be a good thing. And we would expect them to take pain like their own shareholders and their employees. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at job cards a bit closer, so what could be a reason to start engagement when we look at this dimension? So what should not add up in a way for you to go in and like, well, we need to engage with the company now because I think they are taking it a bit too far. Well, you mentioned bonuses as a good example when the bonuses yes. of the higher management are not quite matching to what they're doing to the employees. So what could be another reason for you to go and engage because of the job cards, let's say? Well, I think there's going to be quite a few things. So let's say let health and safety. Mm -hmm. We absolutely, there's some things going on. We want to make sure that health and safety is still vitally important, that they're not cutting costs and cutting ways that could end up with bad practices. So that would be one area. You've also got the fact that if companies are doing a reasonably poor job, they're not paying, if they're not paying enough tax, and yet they're after taxpayers' money, at some point the government's going to go after them, or the governments. And we saw an example of Adidas in, in Germany, where they didn't want to pay um, the landlords, but they were furloughing their staff and getting German government support. Well, the media, this wasn't even invested, the media within a week had put so much pressure on the brand of Adidas that they apologized and started paying their rent again. <laughs> they had the money to do it. So it's all of those things that might be an issue. But in our sense, we have quite a few topics that we look at. And one of them would be, how comes, a good example would be, how come executive pensions may be at 30% of salaries, but everyone else in the firm is on 12% of salaries. Why is there that difference? So we would target that as a good example. We've had a lot of success with other investors of saying we want them all to be on the same level playing field. All employees are important. Another big topic that started circulating in um kind of like in the industry recently is the whole carbon effect from meat consumption, for example, because you can sometimes get the data that is so significant that it's almost equal to um, flights, let's say. So in terms of uh, portfolios going vegan, do you think this is realistic and achievable? And if yes and no, why? Oh, well, um, well, first of all, there's a huge topic there. The first one is climate change has got many variables, and one of them is absolutely animal consumption and methane. Mm -hmm. um, we have a very, very strong climate change, and we've been seen as, we have been seen by others as leaders in pushing very hard on climate change. One of the areas that we've been focusing on, one of the sectors is the food manufacturing and retail sector because of the things that you've just mentioned. So deforestation being a massive and we've been part of the signatories to Brazil about the Amazon rainforest. And again, mm -hmm. a lot of deforestation is because of cattle. So it, it is all linked. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to say that people shouldn't eat meat, but I think there is going to be a trend towards that. I mean, I was just looking at an advert today about Beyond Meat and new burgers and trends, and people are starting to demand those kinds of products. So I think absolutely, as we get towards 10 billion people in this planet, we are going to have to change our ways. Mm 
but it is going to be done. And I think governments are going to have to get involved in that. And of course, if you look at our companies, they are trying to work out which ones so that they can make money and be part of the future and not part of the past. But in terms of the companies, yes, we are absolutely making sure that um, on cattle, how they're being treated and also how they've been looking at deforestation. So it's, it's a bigger trend than just on vegan. It's definitely about mm -hmm. that. But yes. And mm -hmm. our climate change policies have been on that, not just on, like you say, oil and gas or, or aerospace. Mm -hmm. Food is a very important part of that. And I think it's going to be very much more a debate going forward. In the past, it's always been about oil and gas and carbon emissions. I think it's going to be about food consumption. I also think that um, the, the upshot of COVID, we will look more about our food quality and our standards. Because mm -hmm. I think there is definitely more debate about what has happened in our food supplies and, our, our, and, and the chain. Mm -hmm. So how do you engage with meat producers? Is that again about how they use the land that the cattle is grazing on, let's say, or like what, what is the direction of engagement well, there? No, actually, and um, we do a bit and we've supported some shareholder resolutions, but we're more looking at the people that go further up the chain. So we look at the biggest mm. food retailers. How are they managing? Because they're mm. the ones that are buying the beef. Are they buying sustainable beef? Are they buying things that are then replanting the forests? You've seen Unilever with palm oil taking mm -hmm. away and being sustainable palm oil producer. So you go up the chain, you don't go down to the chain, you, you influence where you can. And we're influencing and being involved with other investors on the retail chain and the manufacturing chain. And it's their job to influence further down the chain, yes. Mm -hmm. And can you give me an example of company uh, interactions, let's say that you and other investors are doing, for example? Uh, well, Kroger. Um, some of the biggest um, uh, Loblaw in Canada, one of the biggest food retailers, mm -hmm. we've named and um, we've said that they're not doing a good enough job and their sustainability is not good enough and we want to push them to do more. So we've engaged with them. We've now named them in our reports as saying that they're not very good at this. And then we've seen companies like Tesco and Unilever doing a very good job uh, mm -hmm. and changing very much to get the standard. So there's a pros and cons of companies. Yes. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things that investors have to deal with right now is obviously greenwashing, because it seems like every other company mm -hmm. out there yes. is uh, saying, yes, we are investing uh, with ESG in mind. But how to actually decipher if that's genuine and true? So can you give any tips or any kind of like, uh, indications well, how to work with this? I have to say, this is, this is a very important topic dear to my heart. I mean, I have... Um, been in this seat for nine years at Elgin and I've been a board director for the entire time and the trend I mean I'm absolutely delighted to see that most of the topics that we talk about are much higher up the agenda and I don't just mean with us you just have to look what clients are asking you have to see what's on the front page of the media you can see it everywhere but of course the downside of that is everyone realizes this is quite commercial now and if you mm -hmm. want to raise money or, and that's the great thing about capitalism, everything floods in. Everyone now is saying, I'm ESG, I care. And so I do think that phrase greenwashing is quite important. There are many things that you can look at. I mean, the first thing is, it's always back to the basics. Conflicts of interest. How do you report? It's not easy in the financial services. And most of your listeners will know that financial services is quite a complex and interesting way. How do you get paid? 
who's who's paying you and who makes the final decision those are the sorts of questions i have a completely independent team i'm a board director and i report directly to the ceo and therefore i have some non-exec directors to make sure that my team can do their job even if it means which we have to do many many times vote against the pension funds or the corporate that runs the pension funds of clients of Elgin. of course mm -hmm. we do because we have to treat them exactly the same way as any other company i also delighted that lng plc which is a FTSE 100 company has good diversity has good tax transparency has not had a big vote against an agm has a direct has board directors independent and has done most of the things that we are asking for so we can say that we are consistent with the and is very transparent with what we operate you can't always say that as most asset managers that's another thing some of them have big votes against some of them have ceos that are paid up to 30 million dollars a year and then ask companies to have low pay and inequality so it's quite difficult to balance them and then of course you've got some very good independent reports out there such as influence maps ceres and share action and share action has written a very detailed report of looking at asset managers no reports perfect we know that mm -hmm. but it's a very good sense check of certainly looking why they're near the top and why are these ones at the bottom so it would be a way of investors or, or clients being able to say these investors are doing well and these ones say they're doing well but actually when you look under the bonnet you lift under the bonnet they're not actually doing as much as they say i think there's quite a lot of ways that you can do it now what i was pleased about was that even though we've done pretty well the fact that index funds can be very high up there it shouldn't make mm -hmm. any difference at all so let's go back to your first question which i didn't answer as well as i could have that the whole point of this is we just care about our clients assets we have some great active funds we have some credit funds we care about them just as much and the fact that we pull all our assets together and if we're upset with exxon or we're upset with lob law we're upset with them on their debt as well as their equity and we will try and influence them and the way we influence one we're lucky because of our size mm -hmm. but the fact is when my active equity person speaks to them or my credit person or someone in my team speaks to the company they're still asking them for the same things and we're voting the same way back to your voting when we vote we don't vote five different ways or different funds doing things we just go everything we've got is positive or negative and we will put all of our influence because we want to change and the most important thing we want companies to do well Yes. it's in their interest to do these things these things are not uncommercial you're just having to look what's happening with the climate change debate some of the value of the coal assets has drastically reduced mm -hmm. and we want the companies to be part of the future not part of the past mm -hmm. and lgm is offering index products for example so with that obviously you can vote um at annual shareholder meetings but if there is a controversy it's much harder to pull out of the holding uh compared to for example an active investor like wirecard being a recent example of how some sustainable funds invested in it but they could then retract it if they wanted to so from the index perspective how to tackle this issue well i think first of all <laughs> there's a role for everyone so let's not mm -hmm. sit here and say index is everything or active is everything. i've done both mm -hmm. and i and we have active funds so that's mm -hmm. but let's remember if you are an investor 
you should use your rights. Someone is going to own that company. And most of the biggest companies, because of tracking error and all the things that most people know about, most people will own some of a company, whether they're underweight or overweight. or So they're going to be in it. The most important thing is they try and influence them while they're invested. Mm -hmm. The good news is we, we speak to so many active funds that ring us up and say, can you also get involved in something? I'm very upset about something. They don't want to sell because if they sell, they might be selling at the wrong price. They'd rather influence the company and make it better. And then they want to sell it at a higher price. That's their job. They're the active fund manager. Me, we'll be there all the way through. Now, the good news is if a company knows that Elgin are going to be there for the next 10 years and we say, we want you to give the money back or don't do that M&A, they're more likely to believe that we are serious because we're going to be there. We're one mm -hmm. of their longest term shareholders. Secondly, we do get the chance to vote. Thirdly, we collaborate with others and we'll, we'll, we can gang up on a company in the nicest mm -hmm. possible way if we're not happy. But I think those are the things that you can definitely talk about. And then thirdly, there are different kinds of index funds. So you just have to, you mentioned Wirecard. Well, we voted against the entire board at Wirecard before the scandal came. Where, where were the other investors? Mm. Yes, they could sell, but they probably sold near at the end. So it's more important to influence and make sure we get the next one. And so we've been pushing on audit standards. Mm -hmm. I will continue to push on audit standards because I want to make sure that we have less Wirecards or Enrons or others, because at the end of the day, you can't know which ones are going to happen, but we want to raise the bar for the whole market. And that's where an index fund is very useful, trying to look at, you know, we've been voting against auditors that have been on the board for over 20 years. We like them to rotate. Mm -hmm. It's not the most sexy topic, but it's a very, very important topic for investors and for people to trust the report and accounts. That's the kind of thing that we'll get involved in. Mm -hmm. But I'm not having to go active funds. They're a very important part of the world. And we w I work with them all the time and my colleagues in the active portfolio as well. They give us very good sense of what's going on in the market as well. If you're focusing on uh, auditor standards, obviously transparency, yes. uh, what else is the next big thing for you? Because you work on a lot of things in the same time, obviously deforestation being one engagement element. Uh, what is new on your agenda? Something that you're really working towards at the moment? Okay, so most things aren't really new because they take mm -hmm. a long time and you care about them for a long time. So I'm always gonna care about the quality of the board of a company. Mm -hmm. The end of the day, there's a load of discussions and all the topics that you've mentioned and another 20 more. If we've got the wrong chairman and they're not spending the time at the board meetings focusing on cyber, inequality, food issues, whatever it is, then it's the wrong chairman that's the problem. Mm -hmm. So we very much always talk about the quality of the board, the skills that are needed and the skills that are needed on a retailer now, as you talked about, are very different to the skills that in the old days, it was all about property, property, property. Now it might be about marketing and online. So we want to make sure the refreshment. So those things evolve. But of course, some of the topics because of COVID, the S in ESG, things like social factors, the supply chain, tax. It wasn't, it wasn't nine years ago. People were, companies were very proud to say, I managed to sell that business and not pay any tax. Now you get companies coming to you quite rightly saying, we sold it and we paid our full share of corporation tax. It's amazing how the mindset has changed. And so 
it will be. And of course, once we get through this crisis, and I hope we do quite soon, governments have a very, very big deficit now from all of the things they've done. And they're going to be looking at which corporations have not been paying their tax. So it's in our interest to make sure, I'm not saying what the number should be, that's for companies, but are they comfortable with the tax that they are paying? So that will be an area of focus for the next few years, absolutely, because if it's a low number, we will be worried that they will get a shock at some point when they get a windfall tax or a big tax bill. So we just wanted to try and get that. So that would be another topic. And then ethnicity, I've told you that we've been starting to focus on it. I think the world is starting to do it because of the, some of the tragedies that have happened. And I see the US very much focusing on it and we will definitely spend more time on that. So there will be some of the newer topics. Sasha, thank you very much for joining us today and thank you for the stimulating conversation. Absolute pleasure and thank you for all those questions.